Welcome to Lead with Confidence, the podcast where we will explore the journeys of leaders who inspire, empower, and believe in others. Join me to discover your self-confidence in love, life, and leadership. I'm Desiree Petrick, owner of Intentional Action, motivational speaker, and executive coach, and I can't wait to join your journey to learn what it means to lead with confidence. My guest this week is Esther Avent. She is a health industry veteran with over 17 years of experience in fitness, nutrition, and wellness-related roles. Her mission is to help women be happy, healthy, confident, and get the most out of their lives. She knows that if more men and women prioritize their health, they would be able to unleash the confidence and focus all that they need to do to leave their mark on the world. She is also a boy mom and a Navy wife who has lived and traveled all over the world while running her EA coaching. Let's get into the episode. It is a good one coming into this holiday season where a lot of times the concepts around weight loss management go out the window and we say we'll start again on January 1st. I think this might give you a really fun, rounded definition of what it means to be health conscious and to live diet free. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about what it is that you do and your focus for your company? Yeah. So in a, in a nutshell, in sort of uh, layman's terms, um, there are a lot of women who say they want to lose weight and struggle to actually do it and keep it off. So what I do and what my team of coaches do is help them approach their health and weight loss goals in a really simple way that also helps them address the actual obstacles that have been standing in their way. Um, so we do really comprehensive health and weight loss coaching that covers exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, mindset, sort of all the different facets that are a part of making lasting changes to your life and to your health. And so if for some reason someone was only able to listen to the first five minutes of this episode, what would be the message you would want to send with them? Number one, it is never too late to make your health a priority and you are never too old it is always possible for you and it is always a worthy endeavor. Another thing I would want to make sure you know is that the things that you have tried in the past have not been failures. They've been learning experiences and they are going to help you be more successful going forward. And the simple reframes like that are incredibly important and will will help you be successful this next time. And I think... The, the third and and final, if I cut myself off, would be that prioritizing your health will benefit every other aspect of your life. It's very easy for us to kind of take this outside in approach where it's like we first, you know, make sure that our jobs are squared away and that our families are squared away. And it's like, and I'll get whatever's left. And we have this like really just misconception that making ourselves a a priority is selfish. And I just want you to flip that on your head and know that not only do you deserve to be as healthy and happy and confident as possible because you're a worthy human being, but no one else in your life is getting the best of you if you are not taking care of yourself. And the time you spend transforming your health, losing weight, whatever your specific goals are, will pay off in dividends in every other area of your life. So there's really no reason not to start now and make it a priority. As a mom, that just like hit me in the heart. Well, yep. Guess it's if I hadn't already started, it'd be time to start now. But so I love what you just said. Like it, 
will create dividends in every area of your life. And I always say that fitness for me was a vessel. It was the way that I applied all of the personal development that I was doing, all the podcasts I was listening to, the relationships that I built. They were done through the lens of fitness because A, it was something that I enjoyed, but it was a way for me to test out these you know, trial and error things that didn't feel like the risk was an end-all be-all. It was something manageable. I could learn these lessons through. And I read a little bit of that on your website. So can you explain to me what it means for you to learn lessons through the realm of fitness and through nutrition that are going to start to spiral into the other pieces of your life? That's a great question. And I could not agree more. I feel like the health benefits of exercise and the, you know, the benefits of, of eating well are really more like a bonus for me. When I think about you know, how they've helped me transform my life. It's more so that the lessons that I've learned in the gym are ones that I realize apply elsewhere. Just putting yourself in a position where you do things that are uncomfortable, like trying to, you know, run farther than you have before or faster or lift heavier or whatever it is. Just training kind of that muscle of not shying away at the first sign of discomfort is so important because that's, you know, that's how you develop confidence. That's how you achieve anything worthwhile is you decide I'm willing to be uncomfortable in pursuit of this thing. And what you prove to yourself is that you are much stronger and more capable than you realized. And I, I've been consistently exercising for 20 years now. And I really credit that habit with the reason I I'm willing to do hard things elsewhere is I think about all these instances where I wanted to quit a workout or all these times where it would have been easier to skip it. And I have built this identity as a fit, healthy, confident person through each instance of showing up. And I think that's that's really what you stand to gain when you prioritize your health. Yes, all the other stuff is great. Being muscular and being strong and being lean and and being healthy and and all of that. I'm not trying to to diminish that. But what I think what I've noticed personally and what I see in so many of our clients is like it's just that confidence and that self-image that gets developed through the reps in the gym and through the times that you show up for yourself even if it would be easier not to. That then that doesn't just stay in the gym. Then you realize, huh? I guess I'm just somebody who can do hard things. I guess sometimes I do what's best for me, even when it would be easier not to. And I have all of this evidence that that's who I am. So why wouldn't it also apply to my family or my job or you know this goal that, that used to feel out of reach? And now I'm starting to think, yeah, maybe it's possible. Yeah, and I always get this, like, you're such a disciplined person. You're such a disciplined person. And I'm like, well, what does discipline mean? Because I don't feel disciplined. Like, it's a lot of freaking hard work to do what it is that you say you're going to do every day. So I always say like discipline is on this line. And at some point you just have to believe it. You have to trust in yourself that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And the only way to build that trust is through those reps and to continue doing what you say you're going to do. And eventually it's not going to be a question. You're going to do it because you, you end up falling in love with the process. So I absolutely love that. But let's just for a second, because most people that I know, at least, and I'm actually one of these people, struggle with the all or nothing mentality. If I can't do a 90 minute workout and wake up at 4:30 a.m. and eat only vegetables, 
Like it's not worth it. So what does it mean to have compassionate ownership versus an all or nothing mindset? Love this question. I can personally relate to the all or nothing mentality. And really, I think it was when I became a mom that I started to change that belief that I had that I'm an all or nothing person. Because I, my background is I, I started personal training when I was in college and I've worked in the industry ever since. And just kind of in that commercial gym environment around a lot of other, you know, trainers and fit people, I very much was in that mentality of like, you know, if it doesn't meet this criteria, it doesn't count, et cetera, et cetera. And when I had my son it was the first time I started working out at home just because I was like, logistically, I don't want to be spending, we lived in Hawaii at the time. And I was like, I don't want to be sitting in traffic to go to the gym to potentially have him not even let me get a workout in to then sit in traffic on the way back and have spent half the day not getting a workout in. Um, and it was sort of with that new constraint on my time that, you know, my time really wasn't my own anymore that I started to realize I can't keep trying to force my workouts to look a certain way just because they used to before. I really need to lean more into the consistency over everything mentality and recognize that I'm going to be so much better off if I'm doing what I can as often as I can and letting go of the rest than if I'm trying to force it to look a certain way and as a result, end up doing nothing more than not. Um, it's certainly a, a process to break that all or nothing mentality. And I'd say it's something that the majority of women that I talk to and that we work with struggle with as well. The biggest thing is you touched on a skill that we work on developing called compassionate ownership. And I really think it's it's kind of like the, the antidote to an all or nothing mentality. So you're familiar with both of both of the words separately. Um, the the issue is I think we tend to, just like with the all or nothing, oscillate between extremes. We are either really hard on ourselves. And we're beating ourselves up. This is sort of the the all component of it of like, I'm such a failure. I can't can never do anything right. I said I was going to do this and then I didn't. We're just like really hard on ourselves and beating ourselves up. Or we kind of swing, the pendulum swings the other way. And we're really good at like rationalizing and justifying and kind of explaining away why we're Uses. not doing anything. Yes. And the key to following through and doing what you say you're going to do and being more consistent over time is to stop living in either of those extremes and to work your way towards the middle and recognize like everything that happens is just on a spectrum between all and nothing, between extreme compassion and extreme ownership. And at different times, I need different amounts of each. So what this looks like is the acknowledgement that you are an imperfect human being and you are always going to be. And that means you are going to fall short sometimes. You are going to slip up. You're going to make mistakes. And it's all fine. And it's all part of the process. And recognizing how you are talking to yourself, because most of us are much meaner and harder on ourselves than we are any other person in our lives. If your you know, daughter missed a workout or did you know some minor infraction that you're blowing out of proportion and came to you, like really beating herself up about it, you wouldn't pile on you would help her understand like, this is not a big deal. You're still a good person. This doesn't need to like become a, a you know, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. And you would help her move forward. We don't do that with ourselves. So we need to develop the skill of talking to ourselves differently and more productively so that we stop piling on when we're down and we start actually learning how to inspire ourselves to recognize like the imperfections are part of it. And I'm never going to know everything, but I am capable 
of learning and growing and improving over time. And I am the one who does need to learn how to overcome these things. So what would it look like for me to show up in a way that is more realistic, given what's going on in my life? Maybe it's not seven days a week at 5 a.m. for 90 minutes. Maybe it's three days a week. Maybe it's just hitting a step goal, but actually being realistic with yourself. And when you're talking about sort of that self-trust of knowing I'm going to follow through and do what I say I'm going to do, that starts with setting more realistic goals and not setting these like blanket, um, you know, in an ideal world, if all the stars align and, um, but more so like what's actually going on for me this week? We're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. So for most of us, we have at least a day or two this week that's out of the ordinary. That should impact the goals you set for this week. And what ends up happening is that if you keep setting goals and not hitting them, you damage yourself concept and your your reputation. You become somebody who you don't believe is trustworthy because look at all this evidence. So the key to repairing that and to breaking that all or nothing mentality is to set goals you're confident you can accomplish even on your worst week and start getting some wins under your belt. Start showing yourself, I actually can do what I say I'm going to do. That builds confidence. That helps you see, huh, not only am I following through and, and showing up for myself, but I'm seeing results doing less than I was before. And it's a lot more pleasant to go, you know, three, four, you know, be showing up more often than not than to be going back and forth between the extremes where you're constantly either stressed or beating yourself up and you don't have the consistency to see the results. So that is a very long-winded <laughs> answer to your question. No, that was perfect. And I've recently developed this mindset of it doesn't matter which option you choose because there's an option for everything, but it's about not feeling guilty and having regret and beating yourself up about the option that you feel like you shouldn't have chosen and learning from the consequences, good or bad of the choice that you make. And if you happen to learn something and make a different decision next time, great. But we have to allow ourselves to make mistakes. Otherwise we're, we will never actually get to the thing we want because we're constantly in this realm of I'm, I'm worthless that you're insecure. You don't feel like you deserve the thing that you set a goal for. So we have to, we have to just be allowing ourselves to make mistakes. I truly believe that. I couldn't agree more. I read a book once that referred to learning size mistakes and to imagine that you have like a bag of, you know, whatever rocks or marbles or whatever. And your job is to make as many mistakes as you can, as quickly as you can to empty that bag, because that's how you learn. And so Mm -hmm. many of us, especially as adults, are going back to, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. So many of us are not used to being beginners and not used to being uncomfortable, that we don't like the idea of not being good at something. We don't like the idea of making mistakes. We would rather just avoid the situations where we might be imperfect. And as a result, we never have the opportunity to learn and grow. So I love the idea of the goal being to make mistakes, Mm -hmm. because then you're just like giving yourself permission to try and to do your best and to learn from it. And the faster you do that, the faster you become proficient and it's so much easier to then keep going. Yeah. And a lot of the people that I've spoken with around this topic of weight loss, they, I have something called the Mad Libs excuse. I'll be happy when I lose weight. I'll go on a date when I lose weight. I'll buy that bikini when I lose weight. I'll go on vacation, whatever it might be. And when you set this arbitrary goal for yourself, because what does it mean to lose weight? What's the number associated with that? What does it mean to you? 
we have to say, I'm going to buy that bikini and I'm going to continue focusing on my goal of becoming healthier. So to that person who is putting contingencies on this goal that they've set for themselves, what do you say to break them out of that mindset to think that they have to earn this thing that they want by losing weight? Yeah, such a good question. The progress is in the process and the confidence you develop, the mindset you develop, the changes you make are a result of the work that you're putting in along the way. The win is not seeing a certain number on the scale. And in fact, I think for for most of us, a, a weight loss goal is more of a proxy marker because you're right. What we mean when we say we want to lose weight is I want to feel more comfortable in my clothes. I want to feel confident to wear a bikini at the beach, whatever, whatever. None of that is hinging on a certain number. There are people of all shapes and sizes doing all sorts of things. And you're the one who's telling yourself, I can't do it until whatever. Um, so I think one of the most powerful exercises, and it's it's really only been a few years since I was introduced to the concept that our thoughts are made up, <laughs> our thoughts are chosen. Um, I think one of the one of the most powerful things you can do is start to notice and question your own thoughts. So when you do think, oh, I can't wear that, you know, I, I don't want to buy a bikini unless it's a size medium. I don't want to buy a, you know an extra large, whatever start questioning, like, is that true? Like, where did that come from? Do I want to continue believing this? Is there evidence that, you know, is there evidence to the contrary? And look for examples, you know, like Lizzo is a great example. She is out there doing her thing. She's not worried about the number on the scale. So if, you know, it's the way you perceive yourself, the way you perceive others, the way you perceive the world is not universal. It's not how everybody feels. It's how you have come to see the world, which means it's learned and it can be changed. So start noticing where those beliefs are holding you back and commit to putting in the work to changing them to help you see that you are worthy and valid and lovable and all of the things at any size. And that what really needs to change is how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And this sort of circles back to what we were saying earlier about showing up for yourself. It's not that when you hit a certain number of workouts, suddenly you have the confidence to do a certain thing. It's who you become by showing up for yourself day in and day out, doing those uncomfortable things, showing up when it would be easier not to, kind of parenting yourself through those mental tantrums. When you start to do that for yourself, that's where you develop the confidence. And yes, it's it's a win-win that also those things help you see the physical changes that you also like. But that's how you decide, who cares? I'm not at my weight loss goal yet. I feel good about myself. I know I'm working hard. I know that I'm I'm worthy and I'm going to do the bikini. I'm going to do the bikini now, or I'm going to sign up for the event now. Um, so it's, it's not the destination that affords you that. It's who you become in the process of working toward it. Yeah, absolutely. And with individuals who are working full-time jobs, they have spouses, they have kids specifically, it can't be all or nothing, or it's going to be nothing. I mean, that's, that's point. Yep. essentially the option at this point. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Natural Cycles, the first FDA-cleared birth control app. It allows you to learn the unique pattern of your cycle with tailored updates and insights. Recently, it was updated to pair with your Apple Watch for effortless tracking. It's hormone-free, non-invasive, and effective. The app was also recently updated to allow your partner to log in and keep track to be a part of the process, either for birth control or planning of a pregnancy. By using my link, you will get 20% off of an annual subscription and a free thermometer. Go to DesireePetrick.com slash natural cycles or click on the link in the show notes. For those of us who do have full-time jobs and who do have spouses and kids, what are you doing in front of your spouse and of your kids and of your coworkers and your, your employees that is showing that mentality that you have to, to do what you say you're doing, to live the life that you're trying to teach to other people? What are you actively doing throughout the day? I think you, know, you bring up kids. I think parenting is like the most useful lesson in making your own changes. We talk in in my program all the time about the idea of parenting yourself and how when it comes to your kids, there are times, whether they're toddlers or teenagers or wherever in between, that they're whiny and they're throwing fits and they're saying like, I don't want to, or I don't want to eat this or or whatever. And very mostly, you don't entertain that. You put your foot down and you say, too bad. This is what we're doing. You don't have to like it, but this is how it is. And sometimes we need to give ourselves that same tough love. And this is not the same as beating yourself up. This is encouraging yourself to show up for yourself to the best of your ability. And there are going to be a plethora of reasons why you feel like you can't or it would be easier not to. And it's a matter of you just deciding, too bad. This is the plan I made for myself. This is what I decided was going to be best for me. This is what I know I need to do in order to accomplish a goal that's important to me. I want to be someone who does what she says she's going to do. Not just when other people are looking, not just when other people are involved, but even if it's, you know, quote unquote, just me, I want to follow through. Um, and sometimes you just need to say, oh, too bad that you don't want to. You're going to anyway. And and you just do it. Um, I think that's one of the most, I know that's not specific to like exercise nutrition, but I think that's one of the most important skills that you can um, display for other people is just this like unwavering, like I've got my own back mentality. Um, because think about how then that's perceived by other people is if your kids see like, oh, mom always does what she says she's going to do. That becomes the norm. They know they can rely on you. They learn to do the same thing for themselves. Think about how your boss perceives it. You are a reliable, trustworthy employee who can be counted on. That looks really good in their eyes. Um, so I think that's that's one of the one of the big things. Um, and I think another is to just look for those small opportunities throughout the day to cast votes toward the person that you want to be. So, you know, if that's a I'm thinking about my own situation right now. Like my, my son is home from school. He's on vacation, but he's also sick. I've got all the Thanksgiving prep to do. I'm also trying to work. It would be very easy for me to just be like, yep, I can't, I don't have time to work out. I'm just going to eat like either I just won't eat until later or I'm just going to eat like whatever, you know, Halloween candy is left over. But to actually like look for the opportunities to do something good for yourself. I got in a, a seven minute workout earlier. Better than nothing. Feels good that I did it. Um, I carved out the time between calls to eat my normal breakfast, which I know sets a good tone for the day. 
So things like that. If you have a five minute break between meetings, do you want to spend it scrolling on your phone or do you want to, you know, scroll while you pace your office? Or do you want to, you know, send an important email or, or make a phone call? Like just knowing that the demands on your time are not going to change drastically. So it's a matter of just deciding I'm going to learn how to work within those constraints to, sh- to still show up for myself. I'm just like, my head's like, yes, yes. And I loved that you said that it was not specific to nutrition or fitness because everything that you said, I'm like, this could be applied to anything that you choose to as your vessel. And I had someone ask me once, well, if fitness is your vessel for learning the personal development things that you're trying to learn, what are some other options? Like, what if I really, truly don't want to work out? And I'm like, well, that's, you should, but that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, if you're building a business, parenting, friendships, your career that you're trying to build, I mean, you can literally apply personal development work to any area of your life. The only reason that you choose a specific thing to put them towards, in my opinion, is because then you can really focus on that thing and just see the benefits that come trickle down through everything else. You don't feel like your mind is in 19 different places at once. You're focusing on one thing, but you're learning the lessons in every area of your life. Yes. So I completely I love that that was not specific. Yeah. I think that's such an important point because, because you're right. The lessons are, are universal and it's like, you just kind of pick whatever area of your life it, it comes most naturally to you yes. and believe that you're going to experience the spillover, you know, for me and, and the, the women I coach, you know, we start with health personally. That's just what came most easily to me and mm-hmm. was most enjoyable to me, but wherever you start is going to benefit you elsewhere. So if right now you're just like, listen, my work like really needs, I really got to work on that. Great. Apply this stuff to that. And then know that as you have instilled those beliefs in yourself and those, and you've worked on developing those skills, now you just get to turn and apply them elsewhere. I think sometimes we tend to like see the different like roles we we fulfill as like completely different identities. And we don't realize that the things that are helping us be successful in one area are also going to apply elsewhere. You know, I have women who are, you know, corporate executives and are so, you know, on top of their time management and, you know, stuff in their work role and then really struggle with with the same thing in their health or a personal life. And they just like, haven't made the connection of like, oh, if I'm somebody who can do it here, I can also do it there. I just haven't realized it yet. Um, So I think you're absolutely right. It's like, just lean on whatever comes most naturally to you to practice these things. And then you get to reap the benefits wherever, wherever else you apply them. And we're like, finally coming out of this mentality as a society that says work has to be left at work and home needs to be left at home. Like we are a person, we are one human who gets to live this life encompassing all of these things that we spend our time doing. And so being able to say, I'm, I'm successful in this and I'm trying at this is better than saying, I love work and I'm great at work, but I just suck at my personal life. Like it, it can't be so separate. Otherwise we're never going to allow ourselves to continue to grow in all areas. But I wanted to touch on the framework that you use um, with your coaches, the the gone for good fr- framework. I'm really curious about that. Can you tell me a little bit more? I would love to. So I've, like I mentioned, I, I started personal training in college. I've been working in the industry for almost 20 years, worked with a ton of women. I've done a lot of self-experimentation and I, you know, the, the current like iteration of our program is really kind of everything I've learned over those two decades. And it's based on three 
pillars. So the first is simplicity when it comes to exercise and nutrition. Basically, we distill down all of the noise out there into six what we call big rock habits, um, that those are the ones that generate the majority of your results. And when you focus on just those, it gets easier to learn and master them and get better results with less effort and overwhelm. I think part of why so many of us have a hard time seeing results is you know very tied to the all or nothing mentality we talked about is that like we just try to do too much stuff and most of it doesn't actually matter and just distracts us from the stuff that does. So simplicity is is the number one thing. It's like once we make it easier to know what to do, then we can sort of do the real work, which is addressing like, why aren't you doing it? The second pillar is support. I think, you know, a lot of a lot of moms, a lot of women in general have, you know, sort of the mentality of like, I shouldn't need help. I should be able to do everything on my own. And I had that that same stubbornness. And I don't think that's untrue. I don't think that's always a bad mentality. But I know personally, you know, my husband encouraged me to hire a business coach for years before I finally did. And as soon as I did, I was like, geez, I should have done this sooner. Like, how helpful is it to have somebody who's been here, who can help me avoid all of the mistakes that I was making before, help me get to where I want to be faster. Um, and and that's, you know, really what, what coaching provides. So we have a really comprehensive team. We have an exercise physiologist. We have a dietitian. We have accountability coaches, mindset coaches. Um, and the idea is just that, like, you don't need to do it yourself. And it's a lot more pleasant and you're going to be a lot more successful when you have community and expert guidance along the way. We can help. We we liken ourselves like to the GPS in your car. You're in the driver's seat. It's your life. It's your you know decision on what the destination is. We can help you get there, discuss, you know, the different routes, the pitfalls, um, help you, you know, stay on task and make sure you get there. Um, and it's just invaluable, especially when you might be the first or the only person in, you know, kind of your immediate life who wants to make these changes. And you can feel sort of that pull back to the status quo of, you know, my friends, you know, say they support me, but like they're not trying to lose weight or they're not on a diet right now. So there's all these temptations and it can just feel like it's hard to make lasting changes when you feel like the black sheep. So just being surrounded by people who are normalizing this behavior and, and this new identity makes it a lot easier to stick. Um, and then the third pillar is what we touched on earlier is kind of the, we throw a lot under like the, the umbrella of the skill of compassionate ownership, but essentially the acknowledgement that the what to do, the exercise and nutrition stuff is fairly straightforward. And that's why, you know, we, we simplify it in the first pillar. The reasons why you're not doing what you know you need to do, that's what's complex. And that's where the real work lies for all of us. That sentence right there, I know what to do, I'm just not doing it, is something that almost everyone I talk to says. And we tend to say it just as this like, oh, yeah, I know I'm so frustrated. I just need like more discipline or just more motivation. And it's like, that is such a dead end thought. What you really need to figure out is why am I not? And then start solving for those things. And that's where we get into what I consider like sort of the mass of the iceberg underneath the surface, where it's like, I'm telling myself, I'm just not showing up for my workouts because I'm lazy and I, I would rather stay in bed. And it's like, but actually it's that I'm doom scrolling on my phone until 1 a.m., and then I can't fall asleep. And then my three-year-old is waking me up at three. And then I can't go back to sleep. And I'm getting you know five hours of broken up sleep every night. So no wonder I have a hard time waking up when the alarm goes off. And it's starting to solve for that stuff. It's looking at you know 
setting better boundaries, having conversations, you know, your, your communication skills of, do I need to sit down with my spouse and, and ask for the help that I need? Um, so this is where we work on really like developing the full set of skills and tools that you need, not just to lose weight, but to feel confident that you are going to maintain your results and maintain this healthy identity, no matter what life throws at you in the future. That's so cool. I love that. The concept of compassionate ownership is so intriguing to me. My message that I always say is like, take responsibility. If you don't like something, do something about it or change your goal. Because if you're not taking action on your goal, then it's just a constant state of frustration. Yeah. So either take action on it or change the goal. Yeah. I read a great book once. I can't remember which one it was, but it was talking about exactly that of like, you, you essentially have three options. You can change the goal, you can change your approach, or you can change the time frame. But like, those are the only moving pieces. And so often we like, don't want to do any of those. I want to do the exact same thing I've been doing. I want to somehow get a different result. And I want to achieve it by this arbitrary date that I set you know, six months ago. And it's like, some you just need to recognize that something does need to change. And mm -hmm. It can be a tough pill to swallow um, because we 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 don't like you know that ownership and responsibility is kind of a double edged sword. It's like if you take responsibility of going forward, you also have to take responsibility for where you are now, and like that doesn't feel great. Um, but that is the only way to get a get a different outcome and and actually you know sit down and ask yourself like, is the reason you haven't been working towards the goal as as well as you could be because you don't actually care about it? Sometimes I see that with you know um, like a a five or 10 or 15 pound weight loss goal. It's like, oh, I just kind of like, I'm saying it. Cause like, I've always said it and like society and like, you know, whatever I like, I don't actually care that much. And, and then it's like doing the, the uncomfortable work of like recalibrating of like, okay, well, who am I? And like, why am I caring about being healthy? If it's not to lose weight? Um, sometimes it's, I'm telling myself I'm doing everything and it's not working, but I need to get honest with myself that I'm not doing everything or I'm not doing it to the best of my ability. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I do care about the goal and I am doing the right things. I just was unrealistic about what, you know, what progress was going to look like. And I need to just keep putting my head down and keep putting in the work and not feel like a failure because it took me, you know, six months instead of four. Yeah. My whole life, like fitness has been my number one priority. It was always something I was able to put on the largest burner because like other things in my life weren't taking that space. And then I had kids and then I started a business and it just kept getting pushed further and further onto the back burner. And when I finally said like, I'm comfortable where I am, I'm confident in where I am. Like, I just want to be able to listen to my own darn advice and eat a vegetable every now and then. And I took some of the pressure of those larger goals off. I started making progress towards that goal because the pressure was gone. And it was truly just about doing the little things that I knew I was capable of doing, but I wasn't being honest with myself that I wasn't actually putting any effort towards it. Like mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, no, you make a great point. And I think sometimes we do try to set, you know, big goals in like every aspect of our lives. And that's something that, you know, I've noticed I haven't had like a specific health or fitness goal in years. And, you know, sometimes I start to question it and like see other people's goals. I'm like, oh, maybe I should like try to train for something. And, and I realized, you know, kind of exactly what, what you were saying is like, I have that so dialed in now. And that's, that comes so automatically to me that like the way I'm choosing to challenge myself and push myself out of my comfort zone now is more in my business life and my professional life. Um, and 
I think sometimes we try to like, okay, I want to get this qualification at work and I want to, you know, join the PTA and be more present with my kids. And I want to lose this amount of weight. And it's like, you have, you're trying to have so many top priorities Mm -hmm. that nothing is getting enough to, to, to actually work. So sometimes it's about deciding, okay, I can do all of these things, but I can't do them at the same time. So let me do that. You know, let me list them out in the order I want to do them and then tackle them one at a time. Um, and, and do get to the point where like, at some points you're just going to want to kind of cruise with your career. At some points you're going to cruise with your health and fitness. Um, and knowing that like, those are your opportunities to then stretch in some other area. Yeah. I love that. So you talked a little bit about your focus being on your professional life and your business. So one of the questions that I have for you is you have a pretty large team of people that rely on you as the leader of this business. What is your strategy and your approach in working with them to empower them to be successful in the way that they know how to be successful? That's a really interesting question. And I certainly have growing to do as, as a leader, which I think any, anyone who works with me would, would agree. Um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's an interesting transition to go from being, you know, one woman show to doing literally everything, um, to starting to delegate and, and hire out. Um, and I think, you know, something that's, that's sort of a gift and a curse when it comes to my leadership is that I just sort of like assume and expect that everyone I work with holds themselves to the same kind of standard that I do. And I think that is a benefit in that I'm not a micromanager. I don't feel like I need to like look over everybody's shoulders and make sure like you're doing it the right way. Um, and, and my hope is that it, it helps them feel confident in themselves that, you know, obviously I trust you. I wouldn't have brought you on if I didn't think you were good at what you did. So like, go do it. I do think, you know, kind of the flip side of that coin is it can, leave people feeling a little bit directionless or um, leaderless in that, you know, they, what I'm taking as like, I trust you to, to do your job and, you know, let me know if you need any help can also be perceived as like being distant or uninvolved or not giving the sort of guidance that they might want. Um, which I guess, as I'm saying it, one of the things that I definitely need to work on in pretty much every area of my life is my communication. Um, I'm, pretty introverted. I was an only child. I'm very much like a re- reflective person. I have a lot going on in my head, not as good at expressing that to other people, whether it's my husband or, um, or staff. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the the big things that I would ask of people who work with me and that I could improve with them is to just communicate what's going on. Like if you're doing a good job, why don't I tell you that more often? So you know it. And if you have questions or concerns, why don't you come to me and, you know, feel comfortable coming to me, um, and expressing them. And I think, um, overall a good leader does, does a good job at communicating, which is something that, uh, that I will be working on. That was a fantastic answer because I feel like we're the exact same person. (laughs) I tend to, just assume that everyone is a high achiever like me and they're going to do what they have to do when they have to do it in order to get it done. And that's not always the case. So um, I've been trying to learn to meet in the middle. And when I work with companies and teams within companies, you know, it's every single person is their own individual person and they all have expectations for the relationship that you have with them. So ask, how do you want to be held accountable? How do you want to 
be motivated? Do you want me to set a boundary and then let you go? Or do you want a little bit more handholding, you know, always kind of working towards hoping that they meet you in the middle and are willing to give you that, that opportunity to just let them do what they need to do. But yeah, that's really interesting and kind of funny. Cause I was like nodding along the whole time. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so to kind of finish this up, I'm curious then what does it mean to you to lead with confidence? I really like this question. I just finished reading a book that was, it. The, it's called Do Hard Things. And it was um, by a performance coach. And it was about like the the culture of toughness, um, but it had a lot to do with with confidence. And, you know, I think what what it boils down to me is a willingness to do new, hard or uncomfortable things, even with the totally normal uncertainty and, and self-doubt that goes along with them and to have the self-trust and the growth mindset to know if anybody can do it or if anybody can figure out figure it out it's me and the only way for me to find out is to take action and you know i think a lot of us tend to think that confidence is this like sort of blind i believe i can do anything there's no doubt in my mind and it's not it's it's recognizing i'm actually not sure but I'm going to try. And if I succeed the first time, amazing. And if I don't, it's not a failure. It's an opportunity an opportunity for me to learn and be better equipped the next time I attempt it. Yeah. My favorite author, John Acuff, always says, well, I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to learn. I and love him. That's like what I live by. But so um, what would be the number one book recommendation that you would give to someone who is looking to increase their self-awareness, their self-trust, their confidence? That's so funny you mentioned John Acuff because when you mentioned that question before we hit record, I was one of his books, the uh, soundtracks um, about how to how to stop overthinking was like was was on my list. So I'll skip that one. Um, I read one very recently that very quickly let me let me preface this. I'm sure other people have said Atomic Habits. Um, if not, that's like an absolute like no brainer, must read. Um, it's like the the cornerstone for any sort of habit change. Um, but a little bit more sort of specialized than that uh, is one I just read recently regarding exercise, nutrition, and kind of health overall. It's called Words to Eat By, and um, and your name is the author's name is Karen Koenig. And the whole premise is that the way we talk to ourselves dictates the actions that we end up taking. So specifically, you know, she's talking about how the way we talk to ourselves is what keeps us stuck in like a binge and restrict pattern and things like that. Um, but like everything we've talked about, you'll realize how much it applies to everything else is that if you have this sort of like negative, doom and gloom, I can't do anything, I'm stuck, this is the worst, you know, that sort of thing. If those are the soundtracks that are in your head, it's very hard to change. So one of the one of the best kind of places to start making these changes is to recognize and start shifting the way you talk to yourself. So I think that would be an excellent one um, if you have a, a health goal. Um, but like I said, even if you don't, the you just kind of swap out the examples for ones more relevant to you and and it still applies. Yeah. So if you liked Atomic Habit Habits and you like John Acuff, his brand new book, All It Takes Is a Goal, is fantastic. 
brand new book that he just came out with in September about goal setting. I accidentally washed it in my washing machine with a bunch of clothes. So I no longer have the book. That's so funny. That's but, great. I do a, a monthly book review on my podcast, all like personal development type stuff. Yeah. Um, because like we've been talking about, most of us are busy and don't have time. And I'm one of kind of the oddballs who likes to read personal development for pleasure. I'm a natural mm-hmm. note taker. So I realized like there are all these books that like, I want my clients to read, but I know like if they're going to carve out time to read a book, it's not going to be this. Um, so I just started doing like the Cliff Notes version on the podcast. And I was just thinking um, that I I didn't have any books in my queue. So I will add that one to the top of the list. Yes. Well, I try to read 60 to 100 books a year. So if you ever need another recommendation, let me know. I, That's like, awesome. I'm surrounded by about 50 books that I currently need to read in the personal development realm. But that's amazing. We we may need to compare notes. Um, yes. And I think I might steal your idea of the Cliff Notes version of a book podcast because that's fantastic. Because I'm like, if someone's willing to listen to me talk about a book, like I'm so there. Right. I was like, I finally figured out a way to like merge all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's but great. It is, it is really helpful because I, I can like feel people rolling their eyes when I'm like, oh, there's this book. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I have this stack of books that I'm not reading. Um, so I think it's super helpful. I'm like, all right, go fold some laundry or go take a walk and you'll get the gist um, and you'll yes. get kind of the, the action items. And I found it helpful for me, too, is like I'm not big on rereading books, but I do want to like refresh on the big takeaways. So sometimes I'll I'll put them on while I'm cooking too and be like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. So I'll start, where can they learn more about you? Where can they go if they want to learn more about your framework or your coaching services? Yeah. So I'm like all over the internet, um, just my full name, Esther Avant. Um, I'm sure you'll put in the show notes so I won't bore you with the spelling. Um, but if you want to learn more about you know the framework and, and exactly how to start implementing it, I have a weight loss that lasts cheat sheet that breaks down our formula as well as like next steps and how to get started. You can get that at estheravant.com slash cheat sheet. Um, and then if you want to really kind of get a, a, a vibe for um, you know how we coach and, and our philosophy and stuff, my podcast is called Live Diet Free. Awesome. Well, this conversation seriously lit me up. Like I can't even explain it to you. Um, so thank you for that. I appreciate that a lot, but I am really excited to be able to continue this conversation specifically about books with someone who also doesn't mind the concept of reading a personal development book. So, um, we will do that, but until next time, everyone go ahead and lead with confidence because I know you have it in you and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me as we grow together and learn to lead with confidence. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so appreciated if you would leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. I would love to know which topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. So send me a message on Instagram at Desiree Petrick or send an email to leadwithconfidencepodcast at gmail.com. See you on the next episode of Lead with Confidence.